Taking the first step in spy movies, The 39 Steps sets the bar for all future spy movies to come. This is Dan Silvestri and Tom Pizzotto with SpyMovieNavigator.com, the worldwide community of spy movie fans, spy movie podcasts, videos, discussions, and more. The 39 Steps, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, was released in 1935 and is considered by many to be the first spy film ever. The filmmaker and actor Orson Welles referred to the film as a masterpiece, and screenwriter Robert Town remarked, It's not much of an exaggeration to say that all contemporary escapist entertainment begins with the 39 Steps. So, if you're a spy movie fan then you've got to take a closer look with us at the 39 Steps to see exactly what this film is about and how it may have influenced other spy movies to come and what happenings in the real world influenced this spy movie. Hitchcock himself was a master director, and in many Hitchcock movies, like North by Northwest, Notorious, and The Man Who Knew Too Much, we're going to see an innocent bystander who's thrust into the world of espionage like we're going to see in The 39 Steps. This movie is based on a novel by John Buggin, and there are a lot of differences between the novel and what we see on the screen. Tom? Hitchcock pretty much said he ignored the book when working on the screenplay, but there are still many key elements in the movies derived from the book. It's very much like what Ian Productions does with James Bond so well. Both filmmakers are definitely influenced by the book, and take major and minor elements from the book. Now, in the book, The 39 Steps, the spies... They were German in the book. In in the movie, they don't say what they are, actually. But in the book, they're German, and they live in England, and they they, pass themselves off as Brits, really. Yeah, exactly. So they're spies. They meld into the the community they're in, right? Right, right. Now, they're planning to assassinate the Greek prime minister. And really, the goal is they want to start a war. But they also wanted to attain detailed plans about the nature of the British naval fleet. Yeah. So in case there was a war, Germany could wipe out the, naval, the British Navy really quickly. In the film, however, the spies, they wanted to get critical information out of Britain about the manufacture of silent airplane engines. In the novel, the evil spy organization is called Black, the Blackstone, and in the film, it's, it's called The 39 Steps. In the novel also, there are no females characters but in the movie there are with a romance as well yeah you got to put the romance in films yeah it's almost expected now can you imagine a bond film like with no romance in there yeah no but this bond was 1935 girls. too. i know that's pretty cool yeah. so i mean putting in the the female characters was a big deal right in, in there and they're strong female characters too you can get a great background of the novel and the film from the book the 39 steps by mark glancy a British film guide. Yeah, it's that's, really, that's, a, that's a good book because it really gets into things you wouldn't even think of. It's a short little book, and he's got a lot of little details in there that are are excellent. So when, when you read the, his little book and then you watch the movie, you get a lot more out of it as well. It's not necessary, but we're recommending you pick it up. You could find it on eBay or Amazon or whatever. The authors here for The 39 Steps, John Buchan, and for Bond, Ian Fleming, have... Similar pedigrees, too. Yeah, the parallels here are kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, Fleming served in the British Naval Intelligence in World War II, and John Buchan, during the First World War, worked at the Foreign Office and War Office before he moved to a new Ministry of Information organization where he was the Director of Intelligence. So they both 
really new spy stuff. Yeah, and and they were able to then take what they knew and incorporate them into novels. Yeah, which is great because their background actually fed some of the stuff they were writing and makes and makes it feel real. Yeah. So from Glancy's book, he discovered that the character of Richard Hanny was based actually on an intelligence officer in the Boer War. Now, that was obviously the war between the South African Republic and the Orange Free State. Yeah. All right, Tom. (laughs) In the novel, Hanny is much more spy-like, having skills like code cracking, escaping from enemy agents, getting out of tight situations, in many ways, like Bond. But this is like a 1914 book, and the movie was 1935. So you could see the influence this is going to have on future writings of spy stuff and on future spy movies as well. In the novel, Richard Haney was a character who first appeared in, in The 39 Steps. But it was really the first book in a series of books with him as the main character. So kind of like Bond, where Fleming wrote many Bond books, John's doing the same thing here. And so Richard Haney was in uh, a book called Green Mantle. He was then in one called Mr. Standfast, The Three Hostages, and then finally The Island of Sheep. I don't think any of those other books were made in the movies, as far as I know. Yeah, I'm not aware of any of them. 39 Steps is the only one, and, uh, of course, it's a great one. In both the book and the movie, spies are killed in Hanny's flat. They're pursued by both the police and the evil spy agents, and they're chased all over through the countryside. So certain And certain scenes are virtually the same, like the escape from his flat disguised as a milkman. On our website, spymovienavigator.com, we're going to have the main clips from the movie, and we're going to describe what's happening in these clips in the podcast here. But you can go to, always go to the website and see the clips and see some of the scenes that we're going to be talking about here. With Hanny being chased by the police and by the evil spy agents, it really puts him into a tough spot. And we see that in future movies as well, future spy films. One that comes to instantly to mind to me is Mission Impossible, the first Mission Impossible, where he's being chased by both sides. Yes. And how do you deal with that? You're in, in almost an impossible position. And the brilliance of the novel here is, which becomes very Hitchcock-like in other films, is what Glancy highlights in his book as a double pursuit. This is what you were just talking about, Tom, where the innocent main character who's wrongly accused of a crime or is assumed to be a criminal in the film, must run from both the police and the criminals, in this case, the spies. And Glancy says that this double pursuit serves two purposes, and I'm going to quote him from his book from The Two Purposes because this stuff is brilliant when you're looking at this movie and a whole bunch of other other movies that come along. Yeah, it really sets the stage. Especially the Hitchcock movies where this formula is repeated over and over again north by northwest the man who knew too much other movies so here it is from from glancy's book it serves two purposes one the tale of the innocent man who has been wrongly accused builds tremendous sympathy for the man on the run and you could see that in this film you could see that that you're 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 on hanny's side you're not how could this innocent guy be be pursued like this we got to get him out of it and glancy's second point that he makes is it means that the man cannot simply phone the police to solve his problem, thereby ending the story. Well, and in, in the movie, Richard Haney does go to the, what he thinks is the police. Yeah, and it doesn't work. And it doesn't work out so because well. Because they're after him. him. <laughs> they're after him, too. So this is actually a brilliant little tidbit from Glancy, where now when you're watching all these other movies, you're looking for this, this uh, double pursuit concept. 
and it's there in a lot of movies. Given that it was released in 1935, this was a film that was done in black and white, right? So it's not a color film. And it's unfortunate, but a lot of today's viewers don't go look at black and white films. They're like, oh, that's going to be boring or whatever. Yeah, we talked to a lot of people that don't like looking at black and white films. Yeah, which is which is unfortunate because you miss a classic like this if you won't. I mean, there's brilliant ones. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, Casablanca, all these other ones that aren't even spy movies, but they're brilliant black and white movies. This one, The 39 Steps, is brilliantly done. Yeah, the, the cinematography on it's great. Yeah, the guy, Bernard Knowles. Yeah, did that's the right. Cinema, yeah, he, right? Knowles did this, yeah. The, the stuff is fantastic. The, the shots, the lighting, everything in this is, look at any scene in the film. And it's fabulous. Yeah, it's really well done yeah. from that perspective. It really is. So, all right, now we're going to get to the movie, The 39 Steps, and we're going to go through the uh, the clips that are on our website, spymovienavigator.com. We're going to talk about why these clips are important and the kinds of things that it has influenced in other spy movies as well. So let's go to The 39 Steps. Yeah, Dan, why don't we start with a synopsis of kind of the overall picture of what this movie is. All right, the main actors in the movie are Robert Donat, who plays Richard Haney, Madeline Carroll plays Pamela. Lucy Mannheim plays Miss Smith, Annabelle Smith. And Godfrey Tyrrell plays Professor Jordan. Those are all the main characters in the film. It's directed again by Hitchcock, and the cinematography was done by, as we mentioned, Bernard Knowles. Fabulous stuff. And again, based on the novel by John Buchan. So as a quick summary of the movie, there's a woman agent who has no affiliation with any country, at least doesn't come out in the film. And she's trying to stop England's secret of air defense from falling into the hands of some certain brilliant agent of a foreign power. Who yeah, wants... although at the beginning, you don't know that's what the secret is. She just has a secret she's trying to keep out of the foreign power's hands. Yeah, and, and we don't know why. We don't know what her motivation is. We don't really know what's going on. But again, we find out a little bit here that it's not because she loves England, but She's kind of a mercenary. She's going to get paid by somebody else. So somebody's going to pay her better than England, and that's where she's going to try to work her deals. So this is what she tells Hanny, that at the theater where they had just come from, that there were two men there who wanted to kill her, and she and Hanny went back to Hanny's flat. He looks at the street from his flat, and he sees a couple of men down there waiting. So he's getting a little suspicious. She tells Hanny that he's just as in, in as much trouble as she is now because she's with him. And did he ever hear of the 39 Steps? The 39 Steps chief has a dozen names, she tells him, that can look like a 100 different people, and but there's one thing he can't disguise, and that he has the top part of his right-hand little finger is missing. So that becomes an important little clue throughout the whole movie. Yeah, that's one don't miss that. Yeah. So anyway, the, she asked for this map of Scotland, and a lot of other things happen at, in his apartment. She gets ends up getting killed, and now because it's in his apartment, the police are after him thinking he did it, and now he's figuring out what is going on here. Why does she have to get to Scotland? What is the 39 steps? And now he, the innocent guy, just like it's going to happen in other movies, is going to go try to figure out what's going on, and he's going to end up heading to Scotland, and that's where the whole rest of the movie and film unfolds. Yeah, absolutely, and that whole thing of it being in his apartment is what gives us that double pursuit. Yes, that's the key. 
So if you're a spy movie fan, you could watch the entire film, The 39 Steps, on YouTube and on our website, spymovienavigator.com. We have a link to that. The film opens in a theater in London, and there's a man on stage who can answer virtually any question that the audience can ask. He is, in a sense, a Mr. Know-it-all. In the movie, they call him Mr. Memory, who, and he commits, every day he commits to memory, 50 facts in a variety of categories, be it science, history, geography, whatever. And this guy walks in in a trench coat, and you can see the man from the waist down. He purchases a ticket. He walks in. I mean, it's kind of similar to James Bond. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is how James Bond is introduced to us 27 years later in Dr. No, when you see him sitting at the gambling table at the Le Cercle, and you just see his arms, his chest. He's in a tuxedo, and you see all that before they reveal his face, and this is kind of a similar setup. Yeah, and in, on Majesty's Secret Service, they did yes, that. right, when um, they introduced uh, George Lazenby as Bond. Right? Yeah, the 1939 film Juarez, starring Paul Mooney, also did this, and they, one of the things I read was saying that when they created James Bond, they used the Juarez version of this as their inspiration for how they introduced us to Bond. Oh, cool. Then this man walks to a seat. We see his face finally. And later we see a woman at a bar and the man in the trench coat who ends up being Hanny, he asks Mr. Memory how far it is from Winnipeg to Montreal. And so Mr. Memory indicates that he's got to be a Canadian, which lets us know that Hanny's not a Brit. Not a local Brit, right. right. So he's not a local guy there. And there's this great musical theme that just kind of haunts haunts through the the whole picture, you know, where Hanny's whistling it at points in the in the movie, and it's it's a fun little clip of, yeah. of movie that they associate with Mr. Memory. Right, right, right. And so Mr. Memory's up there; he gets a bunch of questions, and then an official-looking gentleman walks in, and there's I think a, he's the police. Yeah, I think he's the police. And there's a scuffle, you know, there's a fight at the with the guy at the bar, and then all of a sudden, two shots fire, and we only see the gun. Yeah, in that scene, it is like a half a second shot of the gun you could tell it's kind of a small hand on the gun though yeah and so during the commotion then hanny finds himself with this woman and after a while she asks if she could go home with him like i have happened to me all the time <laughs> yeah and, and what does he say He's yeah like, his his line is great he goes yeah. well it's your funeral yeah spoiler and, alert yeah. He's he's actually right <laughs> yeah he's right when she goes home with him it is her funeral Right, so they they leave the music hall and they go to his place, which is one twenty two Portland Place, uh, in Portland Mansion, and they got there on that popular getaway car. They hopped on a bus. Yeah, <laughs> just what you think of as a getaway. You know, they're leaving a, a crime scene. She shot the gun, and they're trying to get away, and they just hop on a bus. Yeah, I don't think they knew she shot the gun though. No well, one knew that. She did yeah. it as a. Well, she knew it. She says uh, later she did it as a diversion. I yes. Think, so. Right. So now they get over to his flat. He's got a furnished flat, and he's only there for a few months. And he asks her her name, and she gives that ever popular Smith. Yeah. And now she looks Eastern European. She has an accent, and hesitates and says Smith. Yeah. So, e- even she at the point was like, oh, yeah, she she's no one. Okay, that's not flying. Me saying Smith, but. You know, I'm going to use it anyway. I'm going to use it anyway. He knows yeah. it's BS and yeah. uh, whatever. And and he knows it's BS. So, you know, he, he thinks, okay, we're a little suspicious of her yeah. and who she is. And later she says her first name is Annabella. But, but the, whole, the whole point there is she's, she's like really nervous, right? Yeah. She, he hasn't 
figured out yet she shot the gun and all this other stuff or why she wanted to go with him and so on. She she's uh and so she's kind of indicating she's been followed and there's a couple of men outside and they're the ones following her. So she's pulling down shades. She's telling Hanny not to turn the lights yeah, on. And the yet. look on his face is great with that. Yeah, and then the phone rings, which is always in a in a movie when the phone rings and especially a kind of tense moments in movies the, the phone ring kind of jostles you. Yeah. What what's going on there? And she don't answer the phone. So there's mystery like all around her and he doesn't really know anything what's going on. So and we don't know why. We we're, we're watching the movie. We don't know why either. So she admits to him at that point that she fired the shots to, in the theater to create a diversion because there were men in the theater who wanted to get her. So it might be the same guys that are outside now. Our next clip, which on our website we call The Death of a Spy, you've got Hanny sleeping, and Annabelle Smith comes into the room in his flat, and she's got a piece of paper in her hand, and she's stumbling, she's clutching her chest, and she says, you know, a little bit, and then she goes, you're next. And she falls, and you see there's a knife sunk halfway into her back, and she collapses and dies. So Hannah has no idea what to do next. Like, yeah. you or I would not have a clue at that point. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're assuming she was sleeping, he was sleeping. You know, he said, I'll sleep on the couch or whatever, and you could have my bedroom. So we're assuming she was in the bedroom, and somehow maybe the guys from outside came in and killed her and I don't know why they didn't kill Hanny too, since she told him before you're in as much trouble as I am now. But well, anyway, and she does tell him you're next. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, she gave him a little warning there. Yeah, so he, he's yeah. you know, she, if we look back, she had said something about Scotland and a person there she was supposed to see. Right now, the local police think he killed her. Yes, right. So this is the double pursuit because it was in his flat. So he decides he's going to flee to Scotland to try to figure out this thirty-nine step thing. And what that was all about. And he, so he's going to go and he realizes he can't just get out of his flat really easily because there are men still down there in the street. Yeah. So somehow she gets a knife in the back and then the two guys are still out there on the street. Uh, yeah. So I don't the continuity know. on that's a little weird. Yeah. It makes, it makes you think. It's like, how, how did that really happen? Of course, we don't know. They don't tell us right. in the film. We don't know if exactly she went outside and got stabbed. Yeah. Well, she had to get the map. So maybe she had to go outside to get the map. Yeah. We don't know. So that's, that's a, a part that we can't figure out in the movie. Yeah. It was a deadly map. So in this next clip on the site, we call it Hanny's getaway from his flat, the milkman scene. Because Hanny is now being watched and he does not know who wants to get him. He's confused. The police, maybe, for the murder that he did not commit, or the people who killed the spy. He has to devise a clever way of getting out of his flat. So the milkman scene is a classic. And we see other bait-and-switch scenes in future spy movies, too, like in the James Bond film, The Living Daylights, where the enemy spy kills the milkman. Yeah, that was that was Necros. What a great character. Yeah, Necros was a great yeah. character. One of my favorites, actually. And then he disguises himself as a milkman so he can get into the safe house where they're keeping the Russian agent who was going to defect to the West. So, again, you're going to see this same same exact kind of thing with the milkman scene uh, later in another film. Here, Hanny needs the milkman's uniform as a disguise to try to escape and get away from these two guys. So he, he goes through this elaborate 
scene of telling the milkman there's been a, a murder in my apartment i'm trying to get away these guys are waiting for me and the milkman's like nah, i'm not going for that yeah, that, that doesn't wanna. work so so then he makes up a whole story saying that he's having an affair with a woman and one of those guys out there is her husband and then the milkman said oh yeah you can yeah you gotta, you gotta help in that situation <laughs> like, yeah you know yeah. help one brother uh, for another that i understand he thinks it was like okay uh anyway so that's what happened there so he gets the milkman uniform and he does he does escape. Yeah. And it, I, I like the milkman at the end. Go, oh, the empties. You forgot the you empties. You forgot the yeah, empties. Like, but okay. I just love the whole thing. Oh, I'm not buying it. Oh, you were cheating on somebody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Take my stuff. Yeah, Get out yeah, of here. There you go. There you go. Give me five pounds or whatever you got. So in this next clip, we're calling the train scene, the flying Scotsman. So he's escaped using the milkman costume and he's gotten out and now he's heading for the train and it's the flying Scotsman. So in this clip, we see him boarding the train and there's a couple of people in pursuit of him here. Yeah, they the, the evil guys come. You see him drive up just as the train takes off. Yeah. And they start running toward the train and they don't make it. Yeah, they show a close-up of their feet stopping. Yeah, so the, the evil guys are not on the train. The train's moving. Right. The train's moving. So, Hanny's escaped. Yeah. So you think, hey, everything's good. So, Hanny thinks he's free. He's on the train. He's going to Scotland trying to figure out what those 39 steps are. And then... You see the landlady open up the door to his flat, and she's going right. to see Annabella Smith dead yes. there. And she turns and screams, and her screen is actually drowned out by the train coming through a tunnel and blowing its horn. So yeah, you don't actually the, hear her. Yeah, the train whistle is like her scream. Yeah. And that, I thought that was, that, that was, was good. That was a really cool yeah. touch. I really, really like yeah, that. Yeah, something like, ah! Yeah, and then he's on the train, and it kind of reminded me a little of... Uh, Harold Hill in The Music Man, where when he's on the train and you've got the the two sales guys talking to each other about oh, yeah. stuff, right. and he's there and you he can hear- Got to know your territory. Got to yeah. know your territory. You got to know your territory, right? Yeah. And there's the newspaper. Somehow the newspaper says that this lady was killed in this flat yeah. that was discovered while he was on the train, but the newspaper had the fact that he had killed her with his picture- yeah. Uh, that, that it was him. Yeah. Uh, and they're, and they're sitting there and you've got the vicar or whatever, as they're talking about the corsets and brassiers that they're selling. W- which and, is odd since the landlady's screaming, uh, discovering the body and he's already on the train. And the yeah. The timing of that's a little, is printed already. Yeah, The with, timing of that's kind of, um, mo- what I call movie magic. Yeah. But, but then when, when, when those guys are sitting there and you got the vicar there and they're, they're talking about the corsets and the brassiers and the look on the vicars and he finally just yeah. has to get the heck out of there. And that, that just absolutely cracked me up. That was a nice little comic relief scene. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because it was tense. The handy doesn't know if these guys are going to recognize him from the outline of the photo in the, in the, in the, in the newspaper. And he's kind of sitting there and there's one scene where he's looking over the newspaper and the guy's looking right at him yep. and you don't know, is he going to get caught right here? So it was a good scene. It's a, and it's the, the it's it's a train scene, which is always good, right? Yeah. You got chases, fights, yeah. you know, meetings. Yeah. It happens in a lot of spy movies. So it's, again, this this is the first time we're seeing it a, a train scene, and it's going to be a chase scene. And you know, you look at a ton of other movies: Secret Agent, From Russia with Love, Live and Let Die, Spy Who Loved Me, Octopussy, Mission Impossible One. A bunch of them. Casino Royale, Skyfall. Yeah. Skyfall, Fallout. And Fallout. Yeah. Mission, the, the latest uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. So here it is for the first time you're seeing this train scene. And uh, it's tense but and extremely well done. Yeah, It's the first time we're seeing a spy movie. And it's in that spy movie they're establishing that a train chase scene can be exciting. Yeah. Intense drama. The whole 
scenario is really well done. So he's trying to escape from these officials who are after him and who think he killed the woman spy in his flat. And he doesn't know what's going on now. Did the guys miss him at the train station? Is he okay now? Or now are these guys going to recognize him on the train? So there's all this tension. It's, yeah. it's well done. The police, they're on the train and they are looking for him. Again, how they know that he's on this it's train. 1935. And that when he's on the train, the body gets discovered. That was good detective work. Yeah, maybe they sent the telegraph. Yeah, that was that was fast. Telegram. Yeah, that was something. And how they the computer systems that were all tied together for them to be able to identify he was on that train. They didn't have a smartphone. Yeah, they didn't have a smartphone. But again, more movie magic. Yeah. Right. We we find that the police are looking for him, and as as they're going for him, there's this elaborate chase scene that that happens on the train. It's really well done. And w- one of the things they've got in there that I really, really like when, when movies do this is in the chase scene on the train, they don't necessarily just stay on the train. So you've got Buster Keaton in the general in 1929. He's on this train and he's going in and out of the train a lot. You see it in Bond. You see it in Mission Impossible where they get in and out of the train. And in this case, Hanny moves from one car to another. By going outside of the the body of the train to do that. And I just, I love that. I don't know what it is about it, but I just love that touch where you're in that confined area of the train, you go outside for something and then come back in. Well, and it makes it more exciting. I mean, than just running down a narrow corridor on the train. Here he is moving from car to car on the outside of the train. And it's the first time. Here you are seeing it for the first time. So it's great. And you hear the clang of the wheels, the squeaking of the wheels. The whole lighting of the train is well done. It's just the bridge that they're going over and how they edit it. It's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's so well done in terms of the photography of it and the cuts and angles and so on of the photography. And you just, it's, it's a blueprint for future spy movies. Yeah, it absolutely. Really is. He enters a compartment and kisses this strange woman who's very befuddled by this. And she ends up turning him in. And later she actually ends up becoming his ally for a while. Yeah. The bridge in the movie where they eventually stopped the train is the fourth bridge in Scotland. It's a real bridge. It was built in 1890 and it's still around. So you could, you could visit it. Yeah. It's only like 10 miles from Edinburgh. Yeah. And it's uh, I thought it was near Glasgow. No, no, it's outside of Edinburgh. Okay. I looked it up. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Tom. <laughs> I'm in the maps. We'll talk more about that later. Yeah. yeah. So you can still visit it. They use it as an establishing shot. Of course, a lot of the scenes were not shot on the bridge or whatever. But, More uh, movie magic. It. But it, it is a fabulous bridge that was built in 1890, so it's kind of cool. You could look it up on the internet, too, and uh, you'll see it on the in the film. That is a real establishing shot of the of the real bridge. So here, Hanny, he's trying to escape. Of course, he's innocent, and he's trying to get away. And really, the, the scene foreshadows future chase scenes and really a lot of fight scenes on trains. Like we'll see again in Spy Train, Russia from Russia with Love, Spy Who Loved Me, Octopussy, Mission Impossible, all the ones we mentioned before. It goes on and on and on. Train scenes are going to be part of a ton of spy movies in the in the future. And here we are in the past looking at it from 1935, and you're going to see this influencing all these spy movies to come. Well, and that shot from when he's on the bridge. You know, he gets off and off I love the that. train. I love when he gets on the bridge. Yeah, and he's on that bridge, and they're looking straight down. You see that kind of shot in all kinds of movies. And this is the first one where I remember seeing that type of an angle down a bridge like that. Yeah, when he when he escapes the, the, the train and, and gets onto the fourth bridge, it's really an electrifying scene. 
and it's really kind of fun. And it's a relief for the viewer because you're thinking, okay, maybe he finally is going to get away from these guys. Uh, the train conductor said, hey, we can't stop the train on a bridge. We got to get the train we moving. We got to keep going, yeah. So they think he got back on the train. So the police get back on the train to go look for him. And now he actually is kind of free for a moment. So again, in the future, you're going to see View to a Kill, where there's a, some exciting bridge scenes in that in San Francisco from Roger Moore's Bond. So here, the police reboard the train, thinking he's still on it, and Annie did not get back on the train. So he's wandering around Scotland. Again, in his mind, he's thinking the 39 steps. Where's this guy she was supposed to meet in Scotland? And he's got the town name somehow from from well, the actually, map, right? Yeah, he got, she had circled yeah, it, I so think. So when, when, when Annabella Smith comes into the room with the knife in her back, she's got a piece of paper in her hand, and that's the map. Yeah. And they show a close-up of the map, and there's a name of a town circled. circled in there. And we'll talk a little bit about more more about that a little bit later. But what I love when you're saying he's just wandering around Scotland. Yeah. So, again, this is black and white film. Just absolutely beautiful footage. I mean, that area they filmed in, which was really Glencoe, was just absolutely gorgeous. And, and very. there's a couple shots in there that reminded me a lot of some shots in Skyfall. Yes. Um, but actually a different Glen. So this was Glencoe, and the other one was in Glen Etevi in Skyfall, but very similar shots. And you've got the Glen, you've got the the little stream going through that, and it's kind of treacherous terrain, and you're going up and down and all of that. And he's walking through all of this stuff, and it's it's just beautiful. Yeah, the the scene of him running and and going through the fields of Scotland, it is. It's a again black and white, but the photography is is stunning, beautiful. So anyway, he's wandering around, he runs into this guy, and he, he starts talking to him, and he asks if there's any newcomers around. Again, he's trying to figure out who this guy is that she was supposed to meet, Annabella was supposed to meet. And this guy says, yeah, there's an Englishman, a professor, and yeah, he's near that town that you circled on the map that he's showing him. So Handy's trying to figure out how he can get there, and the guy says, you're not going to get there tonight, it's too many miles. Yeah. I think he said 14 or something. Or, yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. yeah. And so then Hanny asks if he could stay the night there, and he was going to pay them, pay the man for that. So the guy says, okay, he agrees to it. And so Hanny meets this woman who is with the man, and then <laughs> kind of Bond-like, he's kind of working this woman already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just sees her for two seconds yeah. and then asks the guy, is that your daughter? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, is the farmer's daughter? He's like, it's my wife. It's like, oh, okay. So, I mean, he immediately is flirting with her. Very, very, very Bond feel there. Yeah, and she's, she's kind of flattered. You can tell because you know she's thinking, oh, this guy's good looking, and he thinks I'm his daughter. He must think I'm young looking or whatever. So, well, she does look a lot younger than the guy than the farmer. Yeah, and she is a beautiful woman. So. They're, they get to talking, and she's asking him, oh, you're from London. I miss the big city. She was from Glasgow, I right. think. she right? was Glasgow. And she misses all the stores and the fancy stuff and all that because now she's living on a farm. You could tell she wasn't really thrilled being where she was. And she and he starts talking about all the places he's been, London, all these great cities and stuff. Well, remember, he's Canadian, so he's, he's yeah, traveled. He's traveled a lot. So. She asks, are all the, women, all, all the women in London beautiful? And he says something like, yes, they are, but not if you were there. 
Yeah. You'd be more beautiful, basically, is what he's saying. And she's like, oh, I kind of like this guy. So this scene is important because Hanny's reading the newspaper. He sees that the murderer has been traced to Scotland. And yeah, he's, I, again, he's the um, guy they're Amazingly after. quick. Yeah. I mean, this is like Sherlock Holmes stuff. I mean, yeah. this is like, <laughs> really fast. These guys are good. Yep. Right. I don't know how they got them so quickly. So when they were sitting at the dinner table and the husband is, he's a very religious man. He's yeah, he's, saying, he's doing the grace, a really, really he's down and dirty grace. And he notices they're not really paying attention to his, to his words. <laughs> exactly. You know, and he's very religious. The newspaper sitting on the table, and they both are, can see the newspaper. And she realizes at that point that he's the guy that, because in the newspaper is saying that it's been traced to Scotland. The guy, the murderer's been traced to Scotland. So he's realizing now she knows, and he's she's realizing he's the guy. So now what is he going to do? He's got such a great way with women. So Annabelle Smith, they leave the theater. She says, can I come to your place? Yeah. Then he's on, on a roll, huh? Yeah, although on the train, she, she the lady on the train didn't want to have anything yeah, to do she, with him. She turned him in. Right. right. She yeah. turned him in. But now you got this lady who's like, hey. Yeah. So anyway, this is going on. The, the man is a little suspicious of things there, and he doesn't know exactly what's going on between his wife, beautiful woman, and this young Hanny guy who said his name was Hammond, uh, I believe. And no, he, he actually uses Hammond when he approaches. Uh, I think he told Professor him that too, Jordan. Didn't he? So anyway, the the husband thinks there's something going on between the two of them, and he he's not liking it. But anyway, she realizes that the they go to sleep. He's sleeping in that little cubbyhole thing, and for whatever he paid for that. And the the wife is sleeping. She awakes in the middle of the night, realizes the police are coming, and she wakes up Hanny and says, "Hey, you got to get out of here," because she's kind of likes the guy. Now, the husband also wakes up. He comes in right when Hanny and his wife are touching. Yeah. Right? She's trying to get him up. Yeah, which looked a little, you know, yeah. he's in bed. A little suspicious. Yeah, a little suspicious. And so he, he kind of says, hey, I got to get away. I'll give you five pounds. The guy's like, you got that much money? And he said, yeah. And he gives him the five pounds to kind of delay the police while he gets uh, makes his escape out the back door or something. So, But when the police come to the door, the wife knows. She knows her husband. And she knows he's going to turn the guy in and keep the five pounds. So she, Margaret, she reveals her name there because he asked her, what's your name, by the way? And she says, Margaret. She says, your jacket is too light. They're going to see you out there because it's, it's too bright of a jacket. Take my husband's Sunday coat, she calls it. And yeah, because it's dark. It's dark, and he'll be a little more stealth-like in the night. And so Hanny at that point kisses her and she, it's a great look. She's like, oh, oh man. Yeah, exactly. Thank <laughs> it's you. A great <laughs> shot in the movie. She's like, yeah, can I come with you? Yeah. So he escapes with the husband's Sunday coat, which is very important. And the fact he was religious, very important for the rest of the movie. So with the police in pursuit, Hanny is running. A small gyroplane, which kind of looks like a little helicopter. And as we said in a different podcast, this helicopter looks like it was built with a kid's erector set or something. Yeah, you got, you've got to love in these movies with, yeah. with these helicopter things. You know, Even even Little Nelly yeah. in, in Bond was it kind of looked like, what, where did they get this stuff? Yeah, I don't know exactly what the difference is between a gyroplane and a helicopter. But anyway, this looks like a little helicopter. And this helicopter is looking for Hanny. So... What do we have here? We have the first time in a spy movie where a helicopter is chasing the suspect. 
the guy they're trying to get. That's an uh, an often repeated thing in future spy movies. Yeah, I mean, remember from Russia with Love and all these other movies. Mission Impossible, yeah, yeah. Helicopters are going to be all over the place. Spectre, all these, all these scenes. So here you have it for the first time. You're seeing it in the first spy film, The Thirty Nine Steps, a helicopter chase. Yeah. Now in in the book, it's actually a plane that's heading toward him. Yes. Right. And then exactly. Hitchcock Hitchcock takes that into North by Northwest. Yes. Right. And exactly the same from the dust cropper scene in North by Northwest. I mean, he had to get it from there. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So he's running along the river. The fourth bridge transverses the this estuary there called Firth of the River. Fourth. So this is probably where he's running. This is we're trying to we were actually trying to look on maps to try to figure yeah, out where I, he I spent, actually was in Scotland. To tell you what and kind so, of life I have, Dan, I spent about an hour and a half on this next part here trying to figure uh, this out. Okay, this, this is how detailed Tom is. And <laughs> the, the the town was supposed to be not far from Altnachalak, which is I think what was on their map. That was that was the name of the area that she had circled that yeah. Annabelle Smith yeah. had circled on the map. So when she comes in and dies, she's got that map yeah. and she has this this town Altnachalak or I actually think it's Halak is circled. And that's where Hanny thinks he needs to go. Now, remember, this is, he's looking for Professor Jordan's house, which he asked the farmer guy, is he near this town? He said, oh, yeah, he's near that town. So that's that's his goal, to get to near this town. But Tom did a little. Yeah, so so there's some (laughs) research that thinks that it's this, and I can't even pronounce this, it's Akana Shalak or something like that, which is a large estate, but it's actually, Way north and way west. Well, he's looking for the it's, largest state, yeah. Yeah, it, but it's in way north and way west from where the other parts of the map were. Right. So the map actually focuses on the town of Killen, and then this this Alt Nashalak place is up a little bit north and west, but miles. And so, if looking at the map, you've got this river forking there, and you've got the bridge of Lochai there. And then in on the map, there's Moranish, but it's actually uh, E instead of an A. On the map, it's with an A. And so where, where it looks to me like this place is, is between Dunkreisk and Killen. There's actually not a place on the on a real map that's called the Altnot Shalak place. It, but it, geographically, but the way that map works, it would be between Dunkreisk and Killen. Okay. So, All you right, know, Tom. Just, so you can, right. just so you can, you know, have that to go yeah. back on in a dinner yeah, party. Yeah, so we got that going for us. Yeah. And uh, really, if anyone wants to challenge uh, Tom's research, please email him <laughs> at tom at spymovenavigator.com. Yeah. I, I started looking into that and go like, boy, oh, I'm really getting into it on this one. All right. So so he, he okay. so Hanny ends up getting to this estate eventually. Yeah, that's good. So the next clip we're looking at is Professor Jordan at his estate with Hanny. Again, Hanny is running from the police, and he finds the estate. He rings the bell. The maid answers the door. He asks for the master and says to ask him if he knows Miss Annabelle Smith. Now, she was the spy, remember, who was murdered in his flat. She's the one who gets a knife in the back. Yeah. The police show up, and the maid answers the door again and denies that any strangers are there when they ask. 
This is the first point where we get a little uneasy because why is she lying to the police? Yeah, Some, the, something's up. As a viewer uh, watching the movie, you don't know why, why would she choose to say no? There's no strangers yeah. there when the guy just showed up. Yeah, it seems. And she, weird. he is a stranger. Well, and you know so. they have friends with the police because of the sheriffs in the in the party. I mean, Hannah yes. gets introduced to the sheriff during the party, so it's like, why would they be lying to the police? Something's wrong. Yeah, at that point, we don't know what's going on, but we become a little suspicious of the scenario here. And Hanny doesn't hear that, so he has no reason to get suspicious. Right. So Hanny introduces himself to Professor Jordan as Mr. Hammond, and that Miss Smith kind of sent him, or he knew Miss Smith and knew Miss Smith was coming to try to find him. But he didn't really know who he was. He just knew right. that she was it, coming up to see him. Yeah. The people... In Scotland, know about the murder and that he's been traced to Scotland. So they know about the murder in London. They know the murder has been traced to Scotland. This stranger shows up. Word gets around fast in Scotland. <laughs> in, the, in 1935. In 1935. It, it is pretty amazing. So they kind of know he's Hanny. And so when Professor Jordan is talking to Hanny, he asks if Annabella was killed. Was that the one that was killed in London? And so on. And he confirms that. And then he asks, why are you in Scotland? And then Hanny says that, well, Annabelle Smith, Annabella Smith was coming to see you. That a foreign agent who killed her is headed up by a man who had part of his little finger missing. Yeah, this is called the guy who talked too much. Yeah. So here Hanny is thinking he's talking to an ally. Miss Smith was coming to see this guy. And this is a great part of the scene when he says, well, which little finger was missing? And Hanny holds up his left hand and says his little part of the little finger was missing. And the guy holds up his right hand and says, you sure it wasn't this? And he's like, oh, my God, the little finger is missing of this guy. So now we, the viewers, and Hanny at the same time know we're in trouble here. Yep, I'm, I'm now talking to the bad guy. So Professor Jordan tells him that he's kind of busy and he's about to convey some very vital information out of the country. He tries to convince Hanny to just kill himself. Yeah, the easy conversation to have. Yeah. If I give you this gun, would you kill yourself? Well, why not take the gun and shoot the professor? That's what I would do. Yeah, exactly. Like, but Hanny's kind of looking like, oh, man, his eyes are shifting. And the professor's thinking, okay, the guy's not going to kill himself so he said you leave me no other choice and he aims the gun at hanny and fires it and shoots him and hanny falls over plops onto the floor and that's you, it you assume that's it movie was only 45 minutes 45 minutes we don't know what's gonna happen next he's dead so we we're thinking he's dead right but it turns out the bullet hits the hymn book that was in the farmer's Sunday coat. Remember, he had the farmer's Sunday coat. And it was a good thing that farmer was very religious and had a hymn book in his pocket. Yeah, and at one point when Hanny was gone after he left the farmer and his wife, the farmer says, hey, where's my, my hymnal? I can't find it. So he, he kind of give a us little, a little, little hint. Setup there, yeah. A little setup for us later. And she said, oh, I gave him your coat. He, he wasn't too happy about it. Oh, he actually hit her. Yeah, yeah, yeah he did. It was the bad part of the movie. Off screen, but he hit her. Yeah. Somehow, 
and he escapes to the sheriff, right? We see him dead on the floor, supposedly. Yeah. The next scene, you've got him at the sheriff's office, and they're looking at the hymn book. Yeah, the sheriff was just at the party, so apparently he left the party and went to his office. Uh, and uh, and how? Yeah. Maybe, maybe he took what they thought was a dead body, and maybe Annie revived at that point. Maybe he got knocked out by the bullet hitting the Yeah, book. I mean, we don't know the time that has elapsed between him getting shot in the hymnal book and falling and him escaping. So, willing suspension of disbelief. We're, little movie magic. Yeah, little movie magic. We're good. And Hanny's there in the sheriff's office, and they're looking at the book and making a joke about the hymn, the hymns stopping the bullet. Yeah, saying, uh, yeah, I've had a hard time getting through, through some hymns, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was a good that line. Was a, that was a good line. Yeah. And then the sheriff's, you know, Telling Hanny, you know, we, I believe you, and we'll have no problem getting Scotland Yard to do this. And the police show up at the sheriff's office, and the sheriff turns instantly and, you know, says, "Take this guy, you know, arrest this guy. He's 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 the murderer." So he really was was turned on him like on a dime. So either he was trying to set him up, or was this just another something's fishy? Yeah. Right? Well, and the two guys that killed Smith probably were standing outside the police station too. So, I mean, we we get a hint again that something is something's up. Yeah, something smells. So, Hanny then just he just jumps through the 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 window of the police station, and I love the way it goes through the the glass doesn't really break. The window just kind of pops open as he jumps out, and there just happens to be a parade going by. So he gets lost in the parade. And we've seen this in other spy movies later. The most recent one I can think of is uh, Spectre with you know James Bond Spectre. And then all of a sudden, the woman from the train, the one that he kissed. And she turned him in on the train. Yeah. He runs into her again. He he runs into her. And the woman on the train, Pamela, she turns him in again. And he tells her to call England and Scotland Yard. And she says no. So now this is twice. Yes. With the same lady. She's tried to turn him in. She has. And that's not good. Now, they end up taking her and Hanny in the car Telling her something, you know, we yeah, need they, to identify yeah, him or something. Yeah, we need you to identify him at the police station, right? And they, they say they're going to go to Inverary. This is a suspicious situation. They're supposed to be going to Inverary. Now, Hanny doesn't know the, the geography here, so he doesn't it's exactly know where, where they are, but Pamela does. And as they're driving, they're now wondering. And Hanny then says, I bet your sheriff principal has the top joint of his little finger missing. Why would he say that, right? It's really to tie that together that, hey, you He's guys are with the Professor Jordan. Yeah, you guys are in cahoots with Professor Jordan. The, yeah. the sheriff was over there. I'm now starting to see what the situation is. Yes, they're all, and, he owns the town, basically, the professor. Own, the professor owns the town. So Pamela overhears something, and it makes her believe that Hanny really has been telling her the truth. And so handcuffed together, Pamela and Hanny escape. Yeah. Again, Hanny doesn't know his way around there. He's from Canada. So he didn't realize they weren't going to that town, right? She had to realize that. Yeah, she, she had to. She, she had points to that out to him uh, when they're walking as they escape from the car. They escape from a lot of places. He yeah. does. He's, he's an escape artist. Yeah. And he's a Houdini, really. Yeah, really. <laughs> a lot of ways. And so they're, they're now, once again, running around Scotland uh, trying to escape the police and the spies and everybody who's and going around the waterfalls getting underneath the waterfall yeah. and everything again beautiful, beautiful scenery yes. beautiful scenery cinematography was great here so pamela and hanny are still handcuffed together and they try to find an inn that they could stay for the night 
and they do. They find in the end, and they kind of they're holding hands, of course, since they're cuffed. Yeah, they're handcuffed and they're trying together. Trying to hide it over their garments and stuff, and the garments trying to hide the cuffs and stuff. And they tell the husband and the wife who run the inn that they're newlyweds or in love or whatever. The wife is kind of like, I thought, going for that and saying, okay, yeah, all right. So they get him a nice room. They take him upstairs and so on. But, of course, the police are still on their tracks. Yeah, those darn police. They're pretty darn good, except, you know, they keep getting away. So supposedly they're in good graces with the wife and the husband, uh, and the police do show up at the inn. And the wife... For some reason, they have drinks in front of them. I, I don't know how well, that Well, there is a bar right there as part of, yeah. right next to the desk. Yeah. but and, and the husband is talking to the police, and you don't know what he's going to do. You're kind of like, is he going to turn turn these guys in or what? Well, then the wife comes down and says, get out of here. You, what do you think we're trying to do? You're serving drinks after hours, or we're going to get in trouble. You know, out with you two and uh, take the – and she takes the drinks away. She takes the drinks she away. She gets rid of the police, which – yeah, so she's she's on their side. That was convenient. Yeah, she was on their side. So that that was kind of nice. So here you, you have the again, Hanny whistling this haunting theme that keeps repeating throughout the movie, which is kind of like that Mister Memory music. Yeah, but he can't remember where it's from. Yeah, he doesn't exactly know where he heard it because the very beginning of the movie is where he heard it. Yeah, and he and he he makes a comment. I keep whistling this. I don't remember where it's from. Yeah, so. Here we have Pamela. Is she like the first spy girl? I mean, yeah, she kind of is. Yeah, kind of like Bond girl, like a Bond girl. Yeah, kind of like a bon- what we call Bond girl now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if so, she's pretty tough, self sufficient. Kind of, kind of reminds you in a little way of Ursula Andres, who was tough and self sufficient in Doctor No, as the first real. Wow, Bond girl. Yeah, that's so true. Even though Sylvia Trench was kind of the first Bond girl. But here you go, 1935 movie, and Pamela is kind of like hanging with this guy now, and she's on his side again. Uh, she's realizing he was actually telling the truth eventually as they get through this scene in the hotel, the inn. Yeah, and it's helpful that the light bulb went on for her that he was telling her the truth. Yeah. So for spy movie fans, this this movie has a lot of action, and it's continuous action. It's not the kind of special effects stuff we've come to know now in spy movies. Uh, yeah, all you, of, you look at something like a Mission Impossible, it's one stunt after the other. Yeah. Right? This isn't that, but it's constant action. Yeah, it's constant, continuous action that it creates tension on screen and in the viewer's mind. You are you're you never know exactly what's happening, which is kind of... Yeah, that is, that is nice. Yeah, it's kind of good for watching the movie. Our last clip is the theater finale. We're back in London and Pamela goes to Scotland Yard. She had phoned from Scotland. We didn't know that. We never saw it. And Hanny didn't didn't know it. it. Yeah, nobody knew it. But she called Scotland Yard and she's talking to them and they're not believing her. They want Hanny. Well, she ends up going to the theater and they follow her. And Hanny's in the theater as well. The tension's high. The police are following her directly to get Hanny. Hanny sees someone up in the box. He borrows some spectacles and sees a hand with the top knuckle of the finger missing. Professor Jordan. Professor Jordan. At the theater. And right at that point, Mr. Memory's back on stage, and Hanny figures it out. 
Mr. Memory has committed all the secret plans to memory, and Hanny thinks Professor Jordan will get him out of the country after the show. This is the prophecy, what Annabella Smith was saying was going to happen. They were going to take some important thing out of the country. Hanny's cornered by the police, and he shouts out to Mr. Memory, What are the 39 steps? Mr. Memory starts to speak. The 39 Steps is an organization of spies collecting information on behalf of the foreign office of, and he is shot, Boom. who leaps from the box and eventually onto the stage. Kind of like John Wilkes Booth shooting Lincoln. And he's caught. And Hanny then says, Mr. Memory, what is the secret formula you were taking out of the country? Mr. Memory then says, first feature of the engine is, renders the engine completely silent. And he dies. Yeah, he goes on a, a very elaborate explanation. We just cut yeah, a little, cut it, little yeah. piece of it there. But I was wondering at that point, why is Hanny asking him what the secret was in front of all these other people? Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, okay, that's the thing you were trying to protect. And yeah, and okay. now, now you're asking for it. Yeah. And so Mr. Memory dies, and the secret is safe, and everyone now knows Hanny is innocent. Again, the 39 Steps is considered by many to be the first spy movie. And here we see an innocent man, not a spy, as the leading character in the movie, along with a strong female ally. The photography is spectacular. The directing by Hitchcock, flawless. And the impact on future spy movies is deep. Of course, other Hitchcock movies will have very similar themes we mentioned before north by northwest the man who knew too much very similar blueprint to this film this is a great watch for all spy movie fans the entire movie is available free on youtube so there's no excuse <laughs> yeah you got to go watch it we got the link again we have the link on our website and you could just click on that link and watch the entire movie it's like an hour and 26 minutes so it's Fast moving, fast paced, you'll get through it and you'll love it. So we at spymovienavigator.com would highly recommend that every spy movie fan view this film. From the book, The 39 Steps by Mark Glancy, a British film guide, he indicates that in 1999, The 39 Steps was voted fourth in the top 100 British films of the 20th century. One of the only three films made before 1940 to be on that top 100 list. It was an instant success in Britain because the stars Robert Donat and Madeline Carroll were huge stars there, and Hitchcock was extremely popular. It did well in Canada, too, and in the U.S. was successful also, but it took time because it was in competition with huge Hollywood films of 1936. In the movie The 39 Steps is the spy organization and maybe the steps to build a secret engine. In the book, there are actually 39 steps leading down to a beach where the spies will meet. But it really doesn't matter to the story. The film version, we think, is a lot more of a thriller than the actual steps. Now, the 39 steps down to the beach actually was in reference to the 39 steps down to the beach where um, the author of the book actually was, he actually did a lot of work there at this house that had this beach at the bottom of 39 steps. And he would go back and forth as he was writing this thing. And they think that might be why he actually called it The 39 Steps. That's great. As the first spy movie, The 39 Steps is a must for all spy movie fans. It's fast-paced, holds your interest, 
and prepares the way for a lot of spy movies to come. Thanks for listening. This is Tom Pizzotto. And Dan Silvestri. For SpyMovieNavigator.com, the worldwide community of spy movie fans. Spy movie podcasts, videos, discussions, and more.